It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Your boy. Got a, another quick one for you. A little Seattle homecoming review. Uh, pretty awesome night. Pretty awesome event that the Warriors and the Kings put on. Mostly put on by the Warriors, but Kings were there too. Uh, Going to cover that and all the things surrounding it. That's coming up next here on Locked on Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors host Charles T. Hamilton another good one for you Warriors put the beat down on the Sacramento Kings last night in Seattle Washington kind of weird to say right like yeah came in Seattle with two teams that don't play in Seattle but it was an awesome event the Warriors killed it I mean what they did was was amazing and they were a huge part of it, too. I mean, it was basically put on by the Warriors. I just have to shout them all out. Like, Rick Welts, who's from Seattle, basically put this together. Um, Kevin Durant being, you know, their last NBA player, the last NBA player, the last first-round pick that the Seattle Supersonics had. And the thing is, they love him. And they should. And it was a pretty awesome event, pretty fun time. But I, I just, I have to appreciate how the Warriors handled everything and how they did this. Like I said, Rick Welts basically put it together. The, not the entire team, but uh, a handful of the players, like I think it was Boogie, Jordan Bell, KD, Clay. I think Quinn Cook was there, Andre Iguodala, Steve Kerr, Ron Adams, all went to the Seahawks practice facility and went and, you know, messed around with them. Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr are friends. Uh, the Seahawks have a, a hoop in their meeting room and, you know, have shooting contests. And I guess they had a a shooting contest between the players and and just fun stuff like that. They just, they treated it more than just a basketball game. You know, they went and embraced the city while they were there. And embraced, you know, the the situation that they were in. You know, they understand that there aren't the Supersonics anymore. It's a city that deserves the NBA, but doesn't have it. You know, Steve Kerr played against the Supersonics his entire career. Uh, in his press conference, he was wearing an old Supersonic shirt. They just, they really embraced everything that Seattle basketball and uh, Supersonics basketball represented and had to offer and just 
they didn't make it about themselves as much as they did make it about Seattle basketball and, and the Supersonics. So as I mentioned, they went and saw the Seahawks and, you know, messed around with them. Steve Kerr was wearing the Supersonic shirt. KD for his intro came out, took his warm up off and had a Sean Kemp jersey on under it and the, the place went absolutely nuts. And KD also addressed the crowd before the game started. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that for you right now. First off, I want to get a shout-out to the Seattle Storm for holding it down and winning the championship. Much love. On behalf of myself, NBA, and my organization, my teammates, we'd like to thank you guys for coming out, supporting us. I know it's been a rough 10 years. NBA is back in Seattle for tonight, but hopefully it's back forever soon. Please, please enjoy the game. Stay safe. I appreciate it. Thanks for the love. So that was it. Nothing groundbreaking, but I thought he hit the right tones and all the right, right uh, emotions. And it was just, it was an awesome atmosphere and an awesome night. Every Seattle celebrity, so to speak, athlete was there. Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll were there. Gary Payton. Sue Bird was there. A um, bunch of former players. Jamal Crawford was there. Funny scene during a free throw. Clay just walks up and, and you know gives Jamal Crawford a hug and says what's up in the middle of someone's free throws. It was pretty great. Uh, it was just a great scene, great time. And I know I've said I'm not going to talk about it, but this is kind of a joke, but also kind of real. If Seattle still had a team, that'd be the team I'd be afraid of luring KD away. They love Kevin Durant in Seattle. They absolutely love him, and it's understandable. I can only imagine what it would be like to draft one of the best players in NBA history a year before your team moves away. It would be it would be the worst. It would suck. And I would still have a major place in my heart for that player. Like they they love Kevin Durant and understandably so. So yeah, if Seattle still had a team or was getting a team by next year, that that'd be the team that I'd be afraid would be able to to sign him. Uh, anyone else? Not not really. But yeah, it was it was awesome, awesome night, a great event, way more than just the basketball. And I'm going to get to the basketball uh, in a little bit, which was pretty damn good on the Warrior side at least. But yeah, I mean, I think I I missed some of the people that that were there, like Slick Watts. Bill Russell was there, Jack Sickmud, Detlef Shrimp of Parks and Rec fame. Can't forget him. Uh, Macklemore, Brianna Stewart, Brandon Roy. It was a scene. It was a scene, and it was awesome. It was enjoyable, man. Seattle deserves an NBA team. It's similar to the Raiders, or excuse me, to Oakland. They're going to lose the Raiders and. Just about every home game I've seen, you know, an analyst or writer say Oakland deserves football. Seattle deserves the NBA. It uh, it's a shame it's not there anymore. Hopefully they'll get it soon. But like I said before, I don't think it's going to be an expansion team. I think someone will move, and I don't know when that would be. But it uh, just a great event. I mean, I, that's all I really can say, and I've said it a bunch of times. But it was just awesome. It was way more than just a basketball game. And the basketball game was pretty good, too, which I'm going to break down coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network.
Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Adobe. At CDW, we get your organization can be demanding. I know you're in there. I know. The marketing team's outside my office. They want their Adobe update now. With Adobe's value incentive plan, deployed by the experts at CDW, you can quickly and easily manage software subscriptions for the whole team. On Acrobat and Creative Cloud? All included. Cool. Guys, I'm coming out. Don't hurt me. For a satisfied digital workforce, you need Adobe and IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash adobe. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. So I just talked about the event that happened in Seattle last night, and it was an awesome event. Like I said, it was just way more than just a basketball game. It was a showcase of the potential for another Seattle NBA team, however you want to phrase it. But it was awesome, ton of fun, even as someone who doesn't really have a tie to Seattle at all. Um, you know, I, I think the West Coast and Pacific Northwest is underrepresented in its sports. I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Sport, not fandom, but they, they deserve as much. They deserve an NBA team. They deserve love for what they've done with the Seahawks out there. They're, they're just an underappreciated sports state, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of gushing about him just because I thought last night was incredible. But we'll get to the game right now because I've I've uh, given them a ton of credit. They deserve it, but let's move on. So last night's game, Warriors came out hot. Clay Thompson, who I don't think I mentioned when I was talking about all the connections to Seattle with Steve Kerr and Rick Welts and Kevin Durant. Clay Thompson, you know, it, it, it's not Seattle, but he did go to Washington State, so he does have some ties to Washington. He actually mentioned it after the game that there was a lot of Cougar love out there. Uh, Cougar as in Washington State. You guys get your mind out of the gutter. But he, Clay came out and was just, he was Clay Thompson. You know, what can you say? He, I think he had 25 in the first quarter. I think he went five of seven from three in the first quarter. It was just one of those classic Clay Thompson Clay Thompson show quarters where he's just knocking down everything. The bench is going wild. They're looking for him on every possession. It's something about the Kings. If he could play the Kings every single game, he'd average, I don't know, 40 a game. Maybe a lot of people would do that because it is the Kings, but <laughs> shout out Kings. Good luck this year. But it was, uh, it was entertaining. Classic Clay Thompson, what you expect. He ended the game with 30 points in 23 minutes, 10 of 15 Six of ten from three. Four rebounds for Clay. That's pretty solid. Three assists. I'll take it. Again, it's the weird thing about the Warriors, and I've mentioned it, is they're not boring because greatness is never boring, but they're 
predictable, I guess. I don't know if that's the right term either, but look, like, Clay, like I said, he had, what, you know, 25 in the first quarter, I think. Maybe it wasn't even that much, but he he, he went, went off in the first quarter and puts up 30 points in 23 minutes. Amazing game. But it's expected, so it's kind of hard to, like, oh, my God. Like, it was great, and it was awesome, and it was fun. But uh, at this point, it's kind of normal. Not that he does this stuff every night, but we know he has these games, so it, you know, it was awesome. But also in the preseason, it's just good to see, okay, well, Clay's still, Clay is still Clay. KD had a uh, slow start, but he was also down to give way to the Clay Thompson show. He had a couple nice dunks. He finished pretty well, you know, 26 points on 10 of 19, 2 of 5 from 3, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Just your classic Kevin Durant game. So... They got their show. Seattle got the show they wanted. Maybe part of the show they weren't expecting with Clay Thompson going nuts. I mean, they basically adopted the Warriors last night with Clay Thompson going nuts, KD doing his thing. They 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 have a lot of love for the Warriors. They have a lot of love for Clay Thompson after last night. So that was them. I mean, like I said, it's not to me personally at least the more interesting stuff is what happened with some of the role players that we don't know much about yet because we know how good KD and Klay Thompson are. We just do. And uh, I I haven't mentioned it in this podcast, but obviously Draymond was out with a sore knee. Steph was out with uh, personal problems or a personal matter. Um, I think everything is fine on his end, I believe. And he'll be back soon. But it was interesting that Steve Kerr decided to start Tyler Eulis and Marcus Derrickson in place of Steph Curry and Draymond Green. And I mentioned Marcus Derrickson yesterday that he might get the start, and he did. Tyler Eulis, somewhat of a surprise, but it makes sense in the fact, the same argument I made as to why he would start Quinn Cook and not Sean Livingston, you could say the same for why he started Tyler Eulis and not Quinn Cook, is that Quinn Cook is going to have a defined role coming off the bench next year. And... In the same way that I said you start Quinn Cook to leave Sean Livingston where he is coming off the bench in his normal role so you don't switch up rotations and everything. I think he did that with Tyler Eulis so he would be able to do the same thing with Quinn Cook and keep him in the role that he's going to be playing this year. And also, it's preseason, and he wanted to give these guys opportunities. Tyler Eulis was fine, didn't have a ton of opportunities, uh, but he did his job. He definitely did his job. You know, only three points, one or two uh, from the field, but four assists and did a good job setting people up. Marcus Derrickson, who I've mentioned a ton. I like Marcus Derrickson, man. I do. I just hope he's someone they can hang on to, whether it's through a two-way or with Santa Cruz. and Because I like Jonas Jerebko. I think he'll be fine. But if he, if Jonas Jerebko becomes... The, Omri Caspi 2.0, where it just doesn't work out, I think Marcus Derrickson would be a good option to fill that role of the stretch four who can shoot. And, uh, yeah, I just I like him. I like his game. And he was fine last night, too. Again, didn't get a ton of shots up, but he did go two for four, one of two from three, seven rebounds, one assist. And that... Three was the second shot of the game that he knocked down. It's smooth. It's a smooth shot, man. I like him. 
I don't, I don't, he's not going to make the team. But I don't know, maybe he is. <laughs> no, he's not. He's a power forward. They're not going to do that unless they decide to carry 15 and move McCaw. But at this point, don't think it's going to happen. The bench, everyone coming off the bench had a solid game. A solid game. Before I do that, you see, I get, I get ahead of myself. That's my bad. I have to mention Damian Jones because we've talked about him before, so I have to get him in there. Uh, three of six from the field, 7.7 7 rebounds. couple nice dunks, a great alley-oop, a JaVale McGee-esque alley-oop where the pass is about three feet behind him, and he just reaches back with one hand, cocks back, and throws it down. I like Damian Jones. I like him a lot. At the very least, he's going to fill JaVale McGee's role with ease. At best, he'll be better than him because he's young and has a higher ceiling. Where with JaVale, when you're 30 years old, that you're pretty much the player you are. JaVale McGee isn't all of a sudden going to become first-team all-defense. Damian Jones has a chance to reach a higher level, higher ceiling than JaVale did. We'll see. But I think it was a solid game for him. Two blocks, uh, one assist. The problem is he did have three fouls in 15 minutes. He is really jumpy because he's such an amazing athlete and has such a crazy vert. I mean, one of the springiest guys you've ever seen. So if he can kind of work that out, that's the thing. He still has plenty of weaknesses similar to what JaVale's are. But the the silver lining is the fact that he's, what, 23? So he has a chance to actually overcome these. Where, like I said, with JaVale, who I loved, but at 30 years old, isn't going to get much better than he is. So now to the bench. Bench played damn well. Everyone had, besides Jacob Evans, oh man. Jacob Evans, zero points, 0 of 2, 0 of 1 from 3, 1 rebound, no assists. But besides him, everyone, Kevon Looney had 4, 4 points. Everyone else had 6. McKinney had five, Quinn had eight. Just everyone was was four points or above, basically, besides Jacob Evans. And I guess I'll start with Jacob Evans since that's where we're at. I just, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see him get some run with a more normal lineup because he's kind of been in the the lineups with guys who aren't going to be on the team. Not that that's all of a sudden going to make his shot fall, but defensively, he can fit in a little better if he's on the court with, say, Andre, Sean, you know, I don't know, Clay and Quinn. How, no, that would that'd be, a, that'd be super small. But you get what I'm saying. It's just it's hard to judge at least his team defense when he's on the floor with a lot of players who don't know the team defense. I still like him. I still think he's a very smart player, and defensively he's solid. But offensively, it's just hasn't been there. But I do think he's smart, and I'm I'm intrigued to see what he can become, but it hasn't been great through summer league and preseason. But we will see. Yeah, he hasn't hasn't impressed. Quinn Cook, solid game, eight points off the bench. Three hasn't been falling, but I still have a lot of trust in and Quinn, and think he will be just fine. Daniel House Jr., I guess, is someone who I thought I'd see more of in 
the preseason because I think he's a candidate to take McCaw's spot or at least his role because I do think they'll they'll hang on to McCaw even while he tries to hardball him. But he did get some run last night, got 12 minutes, scored six points, four rebounds. I've mentioned him. I like him. I don't know exactly what the deal is with him. Like when I when I see him or Damian Lee hasn't been getting any run, I think they're pretty set on him being a two-way player. But when I see stuff like that happen, I the first thing I assume is, okay, well, maybe he's not great in practice or maybe he's not picking things up in practice or Kurt, you know, hasn't loved his mental game in practice or whatever. But uh, I'm still intrigued by him. I still think if there are there is any wing that would take McCaw's place or take his role that's on the roster, it would be Daniel House Jr. Kavon Looney, classic Kavon game. No mistakes. No huge, huge plays or anything. Drebko was all right. Still hasn't hit a three, but put up six points. A couple nice layups, nice fast break. Jordan Bell was interesting. He, six points. But he did hit a another little 15-foot wing jumper or elbow jumper, and he also took a corner three later in the game. Airballed it, but the fact he took it was, I don't know, progress, I guess? Because that's the pro- – like, yeah, it's great if you make them, but at the very least, take them. And the shot clock was winding down, so I don't know if it's something that he's trying to add to his game so much or if it was just situationally he had to get it up. So I think that's about it as far as the bench goes. I mean, Kendrick Nunn, we, we know him from Summer League. Like I said, though, he's not going to make make the team because it would have to be a wing that they would keep, and he is not going to be it. Uh, Andre Guadalla, give him a shout-out. Knocked down a three last night. It looked looked smooth. He's been energized, at least through the first start of the first uh, couple games of the preseason. So that was it. Of course, the big story was Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson going off and Kevin Durant's Seattle homecoming. But as far as the bench guys go, I'm still mostly impressed with Marcus Derrickson. Hopefully, Jacob Evans will jump off the screen soon enough. But until then, I mean, we'll just wait. Damian Jones, a positive outing for him. So same old, same old in Warriors land. Uh, I mentioned McCaw, still nothing yet. And I also mentioned Clay Thompson going and giving Jamal Crawford a hug. Maybe it was, uh, you know, hey, we'll get you on the squad once we figure out McCaw. Because who knows? Who knows what the hell's going to happen or what's going on? I would like for it to be resolved, but we don't know yet. So that was the recap. Little news next segment. Then we're going to wrap this thing up for the weekend. This is Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast network support for this podcast comes from wild turkey kentucky straight bourbon whiskey let's tune in to their one-on-one with jamal a real bartender from old fourth ward in atlanta i really get into the backstory of whatever i'm pouring out of respect there are literally years of experience behind these bottles wild turkey same recipe since 1942 if you want a true classic this is what you want to order wild turkey Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. 
That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles D. Hamilton. Just talked about the Warriors and their game and event in Seattle, which was awesome. Went through some of the players. It was tough because none of them put up huge numbers besides Clay and KD. So we got some positives from some guys, but for the most part, you know, everyone was fine. Just fine. That's about it, though. Fine. So their next game is Phoenix, I believe. And so that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see Damian Jones. Yeah, Phoenix on Monday. So it'll be interesting to see Damian Jones and DeAndre Ayton go head-to-head. Ayton has looked good. He's looked good throughout the uh, preseason. I've liked him. He's looked solid. He obviously has his flaws as well, especially defensively. But he's been active. So it'll be interesting to see Phoenix. You know, there's still a... I'm intrigued by him this year. I don't know how good they'll actually be, but I think they made some moves to get significantly better. Like, if they're in the fight for the eighth seed at the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised. If So, basically, that also means if they got the eighth seed, I wouldn't be that surprised. But that's assuming Devin Booker stays healthy. DeAndre Ayton is, you know, rookie of the year, caliber, etc. But... Another game, two days away. At least this one isn't a week away, like uh, after that first preseason game. That's the other thing. Classic Kings-Warriors game, or however, you know, caliber of teams last night. But I also kind of feel bad for the Kings. They were playing on the second night of a back-to-back while the Warriors hadn't played in a week. And we're at the Seattle homecoming of KD (laughs) and and whatnot. But oh well, it's only preseason. Kings will be just fine 28 wins uh, this has been locked on warriors everyone have a fun safe weekend uh, unless something breaks tonight or tomorrow i will be back probably monday a little preview of monday's game and uh yeah you guys be safe out there have a good one this is locked on warriors on the locked on podcast network peace you are locked on warriors your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.